G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz and this is episode number 40 of the Outback Mine podcast. Appreciate you joining in guys, episode 40, unbelievably uh, achieved in the space of uh, under four months, um, not intentional, <laughs> it's just the way it's actually worked out and I've had, look, I, I, I feel so grateful for starting this podcast, um, it, it circled around in my head for years um, to actually uh, do this, I just didn't know how until I got pushed and I hadn't had much time to Get organized so um, in the space of four months um, been able to get a lot of information out there um, help a lot of people throughout regional Australia and uh, had some tremendous conversations with some um, some unbelievable people and um, tonight's guest is is no exception um, a lot of you that know me and, and follow this podcast will know that uh, I have a real passion for uh, first people uh, the, the the first people of this land and um, I really believe uh, through all the study and so forth that I've done through meditation and yoga and, and all those things that sort of, you know, have got me connected with my own uh, sense of spirit and, and well-being, uh, that we've actually got probably the most profound um, uh, healing modality in our own backyard being Indigenous Australia. And a lot of us are unconscious of that and we don't actually... Um, uh, acknowledge it or observe it for what it actually is and you know geez I've, I've been able to um, see some unbelievable things and, and connect with some incredible people um, from Indigenous Australian culture um, that have taught me a lot over recent times and recent years and you know the the, the, the training and so forth I've done through through meditation and yoga is you know about that sort of self-connection and connection to creation and, and everything around us and, and we've got such beautiful creation in our own backyard and we, we just don't see it because we're so busy in the mind. So tonight's guest is a gentleman by the name of Jamie Marlou Thomas. Jamie um, started up with his partner a few years ago, uh, an organisation called Why Apple Work and what they do is Indigenous Mindfulness Training which is pretty well world renowned but we don't actually... Um, uh, know about it uh, you know most Australians don't know about this and um, you know it's about actually giving people education to be able to be culturally aware but also a connection with the, the higher self through meditation and, and mindfulness practices and uh, connection with the earth uh, which we've got a such a beautiful part of in our own backyard we, we're just not accessing it enough and, and Jamie's helping people um, connect to indigenous wisdom and, and living in harmony with the environment more and more, which we're, we're really well disconnected from. We're denatured when we're living in cities and sitting in cars and offices and all that type of thing. But geez, uh, the best mental health tool we've got is in our own backyard. So Jamie's going to talk more about that and give us uh, some, some higher understanding of it and um, what's actually available to us um, to be able to take uh, our own power back. So I really uh, encourage you to sit, um, sit tight, listen to this conversation. I'm sure you're going to uh, get lots of uh, information from Jamie's knowledge and wisdom. Just want to say special mention uh, to our supporting partner here, which is uh, or primary partner, which is Green Nutritionals, which provides potent um, green superfoods to help our physical and mental well-being. And um, yeah, I, I use them. Uh, I've only been using them since I've known about them when this podcast basically started and 
and they've been really, um, you know, uh, a great supporter to be able to help uh, get this going and get it out there more. And I just want to help them out by letting more people know about it because it's such a great thing and uh, can help our physical and mental health. A lot of us uh, are new, uh, malnutrition with the food that we eat and uh, if we can get good things that support our, our well-being physically and mentally uh, in through the right supplementation, which is organic and um, uh, synthetic Pardon me, synthetic free, which is um, you know, pretty common in a lot of the uh, the supplements that are out there. So when you piss yellow, if that makes sense, uh, that's the synthetics coming out of your body. It's not like the vitamin C that they tell us. So um, um, just be wary of that. And these guys make uh, stuff that doesn't uh, doesn't uh, make that happen or allow it to happen. So just check them out, greennutritionals.com.au. Also, uh, B Primal help us out uh, that provide uh, minimalist footwear. Connected to the earth, just check out the letter B primal.com.au uh, on the internet to get some information about their product. So, without further ado, we'll get Jamie along and get into this conversation. Jamie Malu Thomas, welcome to the Outback Mind podcast. Hey, good day there, Aaron. Uh, thanks for having me on the show, brother. No worries, mate. I'm so uh, blessed and grateful to have you along. Um, we've had a conversation about my my vision and passion to be able to help create um, better cultural awareness um, with, with people throughout regional Australia. And, and this podcast is uh, a, a great way of doing that uh, through the people that are listening in, young and old, uh, male and female. And, um, you know, you guys have got such a, a beautiful um, story to tell and a lot to teach us. So, you know, by having people like yourself on, um, you're going to be able to give us information that we wouldn't usually be able to access. So I really appreciate that, mate. Yeah, no dramas. Uh, firstly, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians, uh, the First Nations people in the land, which I'm actually sitting on, looking out over the valley here. The, my ancestors, the Korotunga Langrano people, um, honour the ancestors in which you're gathered and sitting, and, and all your listeners, you know, um, the ancient cultures, you know, the fish show gets beamed around the world, honour those ancient cultures that look after Mother Earth, look after the resources, and pass that knowledge on to generations to come. So um, that's that's where I'm deeply rooted in in remembering who all of our ancestors are, no matter which descendancy you come from. Yeah, absolutely. You appreciate it. I think we're gonna we're gonna talk about that as we as we go. Um, yeah, how how you know how profound the healing ground we've got in our own backyard is, but um, uh, you know how how everyone's got. Um, you know, beautiful space and creativity around them, and but but not accessing it. And uh, you know, whether you're in Australia or an island or, or somewhere else, uh, it's about being able to observe what you've got. But Jamie, I want you to talk to us about where you were born, your upbringing, what happened with you know your own, um, uh, I suppose, uh, understanding of, of racism and sort of how that affected you as a young fella and sort of moving into adult life. Yeah, sure, Will Aaron. Look, I'm. I've just moved back to the very place that I was born. I've been away for 29 years. I left when I was uh, 20 years old and um, went on a bit of a bit of a, a journey around Australia and travelled around the world a little bit. But I'm back here where it all began, and um, it's been it's been quite an uh, uh, an amazing journey. I think about you know my mum uh, was uh, 16 when I was conceived, and my dad was uh, a little bit older. And um, uh, I was, I guess, basically, I was a result of a, a one-night stand. And mum um, mm. actually, when I was about eighteen, showed me the place where I was conceived, and it was a, 
an amazing rock formation out looking over the ocean. And mm. all my life as a young kid, I used to always be drawn to that rock. And I didn't know why until mum told me that story, but I'd always sit there and watch the sunset. Mm. And um, so growing up in small country towns up here in Far East Gippsland, there was, I guess the racism for me was it, was, it was present. Sometimes it was in your face. It was also a lot about classism. Um, you know, you had that classism structure where you had, you know, the logging companies, the owners of the logging companies, the owners of the sawmills, the owners of the truck drivers, the owners of the timber workers, you know, the owners of the bean paddocks, the owners, you know, that own the stores, and then the people that pick the beans, so this whole hierarchy, and then you had the Aboriginal people down the bottom. And um, for a lot of people that I saw, as long as, you know, you were higher than the blackfellas, you, you, you felt good about yourself. But um, I, the racism that I experienced, I guess, was at school, um, and that was out of ignorance. That was, I think, out of ignorance of what was told to those kids. Yeah. Um, the racism within the education system about the denial of our history not being taught um, was quite frustrating within the school system with teachers. Um and, you know, there was, I guess that whole, you know, I felt a little bit like I, I took on a lot of sport at a very young age. Um, I, I ran away from home when I was 12 years old because there was a lot of family violence. Um, I went to live with my uncle, my mum's brother. And, um, you know, I copped a lot of racism on the footy oval, you know, on the basketball court because I was a good sports person. You know, I was naturally talented and, um, you know, copped, a, copped it a fair bit, I suppose. Um, I guess probably the worst type of racism for me, though, was the um, the people who thought they weren't racist, but they were just by what they said, you know, things like, oh, you know, don't don't follow that line or you're all right, you're a good one. You know, I'm like, I'm a good one, what? What does that mean? You know, oh, but you're not a drunk. Oh, well, hang on, but you're sitting in the pub drunk. What does that mean? Does that yeah. mean you're better than my uncle because he's drunk and you're drunk, but you're white and he's black? So, yeah. you know, there was all that sort of undertonal racism, I suppose, and it was a little bit like the um, their, their Collingwood president um, who said, look, as long as they act like us, they're all right. Mm. Um, you know, the minute you actually put a flag on and you actually stood up and, you know, no, no, you can't do that. No, no, we don't. No, we don't. That's, that's, the old, that's the old history. And, you know, so there was a lot of that type of racism that went on, I suppose, in, in small country towns. Sometimes it was a lot worse. Um, but it was, you know, probably for me the most... The most hurtful thing was when you know, oh, at, at at the time, you know, fifteen, you know, bit of a bit of a lad, bit of a devilishly handsome young fella, boxing, you know, very successful at boxing, but I still wasn't allowed to date the white girls. You know, the white families wouldn't let me date the white girls. Um, and then one time, um, actually managed to win an Australian title, which never had happened in all of us before. Everyone had won Victorian titles, but no one ever won an Australian title. And all of a sudden, the doors opened. The doors opened for me. Everyone accepted me. I was equal. They didn't see colour anymore. They just saw a gold medal um, as an Australian champion. Mm. And I remember the day, the day I actually just, you know, said to the town, that's it, I'm retiring, I'm hanging up the gloves. Basically, the doors shut straight away, almost immediately. Oh, and and it was like, you know, I, I did. I felt like Muhammad Ali, you know, that, that moment where he chucked his medal off the bridge because it really meant nothing. And I thought to myself, you know, and people didn't see that subtle racism, how, oh, well, you've, you've served the town now and you go back to who you were. And that's one of, one of the reasons why I left. 
and uh, went on a bit of a journey around Australia um, and, you know, eventually ended up in my grandmother's country down in the western part of Victoria mm. after spending three years in uh, Alice Springs. So, you know, and then obviously the racism in Alice Springs is just the next level. It's 100 years, you know, they're 100 years behind. They are straight out, openly, overtly racist in, in every way and that was really confronting to see as well. Mm, unbelievable, yeah. mate. Jeez. <laughs> That was a lot, I just saw a point across the mountain, but I just went straight to it. <laughs> Unbelievable, mate. That, that, that is like it brought back a lot home for me, uh, a, lot of, a lot about the Indigenous young guys that I went to school with, which, which were really talented, uh, that were sort of pushed aside or um, you know, segregated in, in many ways. Some of them were unbelievably gifted with regards to their sporting capability. But you, you did really well to be able to keep that self-discipline and be able to, to box and do the things that, um, that, that you're able to do and, and reach that level. Did a, lot of, um, did a lot of anger come out when you were boxing? Oh, look, there was definitely that outlet. You know, I, I enjoyed team sports, but um, for me, I was uh, an individual person because, you know, the success or the failure held purely squarely on my shoulders and... Um, it's not not for saying I didn't win the best and fairest here and there because I shared things around, but mm. at the end of the day, that that being able to let that aggression out in a controlled way, um, in a safe environment, um, you know, obviously, you know, it led me to to two Victorian and two Australian titles as an amateur, and you know, I nearly turned pro, but I, you know, I had some had some good things going for me where I was, and I didn't want to leave Far East Gippsland to go to Melbourne, mm. and that's why I never pursued it, but. You know, my dad, my dad and Uncle Lionel Rose were first cousins. Mm. Um, so the pedigree of fighter, the pedigree of fighting to, you know, be seen, to have your name out there, uh, to be equal, um, you know, is what, you know, Indigenous people have done, you know, since time memorial, I guess. Um, mm. You know, even, you know, you look at the war situation where they weren't even classed as citizens, but they went and fought, thinking that they'd come back and be treated as equal, but they weren't. And, you know, that was a little bit like, um, you know, with my career, you know, know, people shut doors again when I decided to retire Mm. at the tender age of 20. It was like, oh, well, you you know, you're no no longer a trophy to us anymore, you know, you're the ex-champion, you're not the current champion, so... You know, let's move on. So, yeah, it, it was. There was a lot of outlet there for me, I guess. Yeah, she's mate. Incredible. I love I love those words. I, I see it now. You know, I see it uh, still with, 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 with people that are involved with sport. that They reach a high level as sort of there as a performer. You know? Yeah, but, that's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. You're hoping to get a quality out of it. You're hoping that the equality will come from, you know, and, and whilst you're there, it's there, but it's not true equality mm. because the minute the minute you lose or the minute you retire, that gets taken away. So the equality, you know, that you think that you're going to get when you get there, like I said, wasn't allowed to date those white girls mm. until, you know, I won an Australian title and all of a sudden doors opened, I got the key to the city, I could eat as many pies from the pie shop and <laughs> rent as many videos from the video store, but... You know, as soon as I retire, all those privileges went. It's like, yeah, yeah, no, it yeah. doesn't work like that. But yeah, that's what you know. It wasn't. It wasn't a healthy. It wasn't a healthy thing. But it just was what it was. I, I, I believe, um, you know, Jamie. I'm just going to fast track a little bit before we come back to this uh, particular matter. But uh, I think growing up in a country town, and I know it's the same. You you saw yourself as being 
successful by achieving things. And, and a lot of people like went to, you know, trying to be the best footballer or whatever to have a sort of a status. But really, um, really, you get much more from actually being kind, help, helping someone, uh, doing little things like that uh, than, you, what, than what you would uh, getting um, uh, a reward or uh, or something by by making a, or achieving a goal or, or a prize or whatever because that prize is only temporary you know there's so much more you can yeah. do uh, which is which is you know uh, free to us all which actually doesn't take um, you know that sort of uh, stereotype judgment comparison criticism uh, any of that sort of stuff you know and um, uh, unfortunately yeah. we're sort of we're educated the wrong way where we, where we think we need to make achievements. And that comes through the education system by you know, giving us grades, marks, rewards for doing well in sport, all that type of stuff. And we think that brings us happiness, but really, oh, I guess it doesn't. No, look, and you know what? I, you know, as an older fella, you know, exactly what you're saying. And I look back on my mum. You know, my mum had a really hard life. She was a non-Aboriginal woman. Um, you know, she knocked around with a few buck fellas and then, you know, hooked up with a couple of non-Aboriginal fellas. None of them treated her really well. Mm. Um, you know, she left school when she was, 15, you know, 14, 15. You know, she went and worked in the bean paddocks and, you know, academically or sporting-wise, but she had the biggest heart. Mm. And because she had the biggest heart, everybody in town, whenever she needed anything, that, that they were there mm. and you know and that's that lesson you know that that her door was always open there was always food on the stove mm. there's always a bed there if you didn't feel safe and you know she'd give the shirt off your earth back and give it to you and she'd freeze you know um you know that that's that's those words that you were just saying you know the you know the true measurement of of success is you know when you're you know when you're down and out people just rally around you because you've done that for them and you know that's a successful community. Mm. Um, it's you know it's bigger than the individual. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, you know, the, the, you use the word heart. If, you, if you're living more from that heart space, then life seems to take care of itself. But if you're stuck on an achievement and trying to achieve something, and once you get to that, then that emptiness sort of seems to come. You know, <laughs> you sort of seem. Oh to yeah. Keep, 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 I think keep I, changing, chasing it. Coming, yeah. For me, for me, it's it's heart versus ego. Yeah. And you know, my earlier days of boxing was ego, and mm. and up until quite recently, you know, ego. You know, I had to kill a lot of my ego to to really get back to my own heart space and mm. and understand what I'm doing things for. And, you know, and saying no to things because I was saying yes to things just because of ego. Um, you know, I wasn't self-caring. I wasn't looking after myself because of those reasons. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 49 and I'm, I'm in a, in a two, I'm, I'm at the very start of a two-year training camp to fight at the Masters Games for myself. Really? Um, in, back in boxing in the Masters Games in the 50 to 55 age division. And, you know, I'm doing it because I want to do it, not for ego, not because someone's telling me I should or whatever. Mm. I'm doing it because I enjoy the discipline, the training, um, you know, the, 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 you know, the sense of um, pushing myself. Mm. And, um, you know, I, you know, so I've got, a, I've got a plan, but I'm actually doing it for myself. I'm not doing it for anything else. And for me, that's come full circle. You know, when I left here, I left here because I did it for ego. I never come home. I'm, I'm coming from that heart space, yeah. and um, you know, for my own, for my own, um, I, I guess, inner peace and my own happiness and enjoyment from it. Yeah, it's amazing, Jamie. You're, you're the same age, age as me, but 
when when you've got the understanding and knowledge that we have now, you talk about heart space. Like I had a lady in with me today that I was doing some coaching with and highly agitated in the mind. But after I sort of helped her like come back through the gears, back to the neutral mind again, she was just talking from a heart space back to a beautiful human being again, you know. Um, all, the, all the noise and stress and things that have been built up over the years are there and they're evident, but you can actually learn to unpack that. And I think um, through our conversation today, she actually got some tools to do that. So I'm going to meet with her regularly, but really, um, you know, that, that heart space is within all of us. It's just the trauma and, you know, the expectations and all the things that are really false uh, that get laid upon us, which actually mask that. Oh, without a doubt, you know, of. I've suffered from, you know, anxiety, clinical depression throughout my years. I've suffered from, um, you know, a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't notice notice it, but I suffered from, um, you know, non-belief in myself, you know. Like, people go, how can you say that when you've just achieved so much? And it's like, but that's the masks that you put on. Mm-hmm. That's the mask that you put on to, you know, for society for because people expect you to be strong and, you know, um, you know, we've, I've been, I wrote a chapter for a book called um, Being Fine, the other F word. And, you know, it is about just, you know, your, your vulnerability. That's, as men, I just don't think that we're vulnerable enough. We're, we're not coming from that heart space. We're coming from ego of what are people going to think of us if I'm weak or if I cry or if I have a breakdown or the stigma attached to that, you know, like all, all the ramifications that, you know, society put on you when you're, when you're not strong. Um, yeah. You know, as a man, and I just think that there, there's definitely a shift, but there's a much bigger shift to take place, um, not just from a national perspective, but from a global perspective on a lot of different layers, and I'll talk a little bit about that later on, but, yeah, there's definitely a shift needed of uh, understanding and nurturing because that is, you know, for, for, for men and the toxic masculinity that we've learnt, um, you know, over the generations from, you know, thousands of years ago, that toxic masculinity is, has been embedded in us and, mm. you know, coming, you know, coming from Europe to here, being put into Aboriginal men, mm. um, you know, European men had that, you know, that was just that whole process. So mm. getting back in touch with that heart space as a, as a male, as a man, I think that there, there definitely needs to be more conversation and, um, you know, more encouragement uh, of that process of connection to self and to others. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Certainly, Jamie, um, uh, I believe the colonial model uh, and the education system does have quite a bit to answer for with regards to that disconnection process. But I remember the, I remember the moment when I was in grade four where the happy little boy just got sort of, uh, no, you're not, you can't be like that anymore. Yeah, you've got to... You gotta, you gotta do this. You gotta do that. You gotta uh, run faster. You gotta try and get better grades. And all of a sudden, I lost my myself. You know, I lost that that sense of who I who I was as a young person. And all of a sudden, I'm in this system of judgment and comparison and expectation and um, competition and all that. And, and that took me into being really defensive of myself. And then. You know, you get spat out into the workforce and you think, shit, what do I do? I need to earn a lot of money so I can make myself look good. Um, yeah, I went through that period too. <laughs> but, but, but it's no different than you winning an Australian title because once people perceive you as being something, then they'll actually like open their arms for you if you've got a, a title. So I worked my way up to being like a CEO and uh, having high-level jobs. But underneath, that little that little boy in grade four had not been actually healed or, or, or hurt yeah, same. at all. Yeah, oh, so you we, understand. We, 
Yeah, without a doubt. And I think that that is a common story amongst a very high percentage of males you'll find mm. that that same resonance of a narrative of their journey is very similar um, in a very high percent of men, uh, I think nationally but internationally as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's really, um, yeah, I wouldn't say sad, but a lot of us have got to go through all that soup to be able to come out the other side. Luckily, hopefully, if we do, many don't. Uh, and they end up with disease, mentally or physically. But um, to be able to actually come out the other side and sort of say, what the hell was that all about? And then come back yeah. to that feeling of who you once were again. Uh, and being able to connect to that, you know, every day, I think is just going to be something that people need to uh, bring into their daily lives to, uh, to keep them grounded more and more with the way the world's being stimulated, I guess. Yeah, no, nah, for sure, without a doubt. Um, I think that's definitely a necessity. And that's a lot of the work that, you know, we're, we're doing at the moment with, um, I guess, reconnecting back men back to that, that that more, you know, balance of the yin and yang, the feminine, the masculine, the, um, you know, that sensitive side to, to understand that we have a responsibility and purpose as well. Um, you know, it's not, we're not just a hammer and everything's a nail, you know, like mm. it's, it's about the need to build something with both. Yeah, agree. And yeah, I guess, you know, I've said to a few people that have come on here, it's not just about getting a tax file number, working hard, getting a super and then passing on. There's so much, this world was created, you know, to, to, to have our consciousness much higher than that. You know, once you actually connect yeah. and get back to the feeling of being one with everything around you, that's, that's priceless. You know, to be able to observe life if it's really has, it's really happening, to be able to observe life in stillness, to be able to observe life in a flow state um, rather than being in your sympathetic nervous system um, and being aware when you do go into that how to sort of move out of it, I think is um, you know, really critical. Um, rather than looking for, uh, you know, chemical enhancement or um, something uh, to stimulate you to, to take your mind away from um from, from the moment, you know, you can do things within yourself to be able to self-heal. And, you know, from what I understand with what you're doing uh, with your organisation, you're, you're starting to put processes in place to be able to do that. Oh, look, without a doubt, you know, our business is fundamentally based around the purpose and responsibility of both the male and the female, the hunter, the gatherer, you know, and when I say the male and the female, I mean that from a biological perspective, not from a, uh, what you see yourself from an LGBTQIA uh, perspective. It's about the balance of who you are as a human being to look after the planet today mm. for generations to come. Mm. And, you know, that you know, we as humans have a multitude of purposes in our life, but probably the greatest purpose we can have is to look after the planet for the next 20, 30, 50,000 generations, you know. Mm. So mm. we need to get back to that way of thinking of being stewards of the earth, custodians of the earth. And, you know, if you think about it from the from that gender perspective, from a world leader perspective, from a corporation perspective, probably 99% are men that are making decisions that are not great for the environment. Yeah. Um, you know, imagine if, that, if, if men actually cared, you know, imagine if 99% of the world leaders and business owners were women. What sort of life, what sort of world would we be living in? Yeah. So why why is there this vast difference between the way men govern and the way women govern? And I'm speaking generally here, obviously. Mm. So it's about how can we get men to be more connected, more understanding that it's not just the 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 the, the, the money or it's not just the power or it's not just the empire that's built 
that is success. Success is 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 about living in harmony, uh, in nurture, in nature, mm. connecting and looking after and preserving for the next you know five, ten, fifteen hundred generations. Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, we 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 have the blinkers on uh, big time um, with regards to that, and uh, um, yeah, mate. Look, it's it's. When I see a man like that, that that's in that, that that ego, or they're um, or they're they're following that path, I actually feel sorry for them because they're they're missing out. You know, they're either going to get disease or they're going to get to an age where they're they're, they're too old to really appreciate life uh, as well as what they possibly could have. Um, yeah. And just you know, without sort of stopping and actually smelling the roses often. And um, geez, mate, I, I I've I've worked in government. I've I've got to that stage where I was going to go into politics and. I actually realised that I was going to make uh, more change by having conversations like we're having tonight rather than... Um, without a doubt, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. And the biggest thing for me, like when what we talk about in our business in Wayapa is it's about the narrative of purpose. And I'll give you an example. I was in a room of 20 white corporate men in the city on the 30th floor and I was talking about, you know, looking after the planet for generations to come. A young fellow in his he said he started laughing at me and said, I don't care, I'm not going to be here. Yeah. I said, oh, that's a, that, that's a powerful statement. I said, what, you're not going to have kids? No, nah, not going to have kids. I said, okay. I said, but what about Bob here? You, you play golf with Bob? Yeah, I love Bob. He's like my uncle. I said, Bob, have you got kids? Bob goes, yeah, I've got two. Bob, you got grandkids? Yeah, I've got two. I said, Bob, you got great, 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 great grandkids? He said, no, not yet. Mm-hmm. I said, but you hope to. He says, yeah. I said, well, this this fellow here doesn't like your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids. And this young guy goes, I didn't say that. And Bob goes, yes, you did. Yeah. Yes, you did. And straight away, I saw a glimmer of hope in that young fellow's mind that he, he actually understood that he needs to start making some incremental changes of looking after the planet. Mm. Even if he's not going to have children and he's not going to be here in 100 years' time, mm. Bob's great-great-grandkids will be. Yeah. And if he actually likes Bob or loves Bob, he needs to be responsible like the next person. Mm. And... And, it, and that's what we talk about with, especially with men, you know, who want to pass on their genes. That is a, you know, a, an evolutionary um, drive that we have. We don't want our genes passed on. Okay, but it's one thing to pass it on, but what are you passing it on to? What environment are you encouraging for them to actually inherit? Mm. And that's where we get men to make those changes around being earth custodians and stewards and meditating and embodiment practices because they actually have a purpose of why they're doing that. Yeah, and, oh, it um, gets you feeling human again. Yeah, oh, and, and connected, you know, on a, on a bigger on a bigger glo- on a bigger plane. It's about interspecies connectivity, respecting Mother Earth, and moving forward. Well, Jamie, you, you could see that young guy in two ways. You could see it with anger. You could see it with compassion. If you see what, what actually he, the way his words were with compassion, feeling sorry for him because he's just been trained to be selfish. Oh, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. It's a classic corporate, you know, and you know what, who knows? He's probably got two kids now and settled down, but at that time of his life, he just wanted to drive his V12 Ferrari, wear his Armani suits, his Armani possum piss perfume, and party in Ibiza. But, I, but you know, after I put that that narrative and context about looking after the planet for 
all, all generations that you are connected to, whether it be uh, your niece, your nephew, whether it be your, your best friend's children or, your, you know, you've got a purpose to do that. And, you know, and he sort of smart-arsingly said, oh, fine, I'll buy a keep cup then. And I said, oh, what does your V12 Ferrari have a keep cup holder, does it? Mm. <laughs> Every, everybody started laughing. And, but you could see that he actually was embarrassed, but there was a flicker of hope that he understood what I was saying. And I said to him, I said, mate, I'm not judging you on your lifestyle. All I'm asking you to do is make changes that you can make that, that, that you know, it stretches your capacity to be mindful about your consumerism and your materialism, which is effectively destroying the planet. Yeah. And he goes, oh, well, I, I can do that. I'm like, good. That's good. That's all I'm asking you to do. I'm not telling you to sell your Ferrari. I'm not telling you to have children. I'm not telling you to, you know, wear organic clothing. I'm not, I'm not telling you nothing. All I'm asking you to do is to be mindful about generations to come and you have a responsibility to look after the planet today for for those generations. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that narrative of a wise person plants a tree for the shade they'll never feel. That's what we're doing today. Mm -hmm. And incredible. when you put it in that, that frame, men especially, they, they get it, they understand it because they're protecting their genes. They're protecting the perpetuity of their lineage. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, there's that biological necessity to do that. So, you know, that's the hook that gets followers to understand that they have a, a part to play. And it's, you look at all the big climate change movements, all, uh, you know, they're all women, you know, they're all women. And, and why is that? Because they have, they, they get that understanding of that nurturing, uh, of that protecting of that future. We've lost that as men over the thousands of years mm -hmm. and we need to re reconnect that, you know, reactivate that, that necessity. The women are more connected and conscious uh, to themselves and the earth and the guys are distracted. And um, listening to you talk about that young fellow, Jamie, um, I've seen it, you know, I, I, I was so lucky uh, I didn't have the marks to go to university <laughs> because, yeah. because really that young guy, he was probably a smart kid, uh, possible, potentially smart kid, depending on, on, on how you, you, you term smart. But he, Exactly, the definition of smart, he's not that smart, but he's smart. Yeah. What are you measuring it against? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got into yeah. uni, followed uh, the, the, the breadcrumbs. That life puts before him, as Mixtu says, and um, yeah. basically, um, yeah, ended up in this position as a thirty-year-old where he thought he was pretty good, and uh, at the end of the day, he'd actually forgotten all the all the the beautiful things about humanity. And you know, Jamie, I, I've been lucky to be able to move out of the corporate space too too deeply to be able to go into like schools and teach yoga to year 11s and twelves, and they're like yeah. uh, they're like wound up tops these kids. You know, yeah. they're, they're just so stressed and anxious because of the expectations of, of um, you know, the results they're getting and all that type of stuff. But when, once you put them through a sequence and you teach them some meditation and they just come yeah. back to feeling themselves again. And, and those moments are very much like the light bulb moment that you gave that 30-year-old then. They sort of think, well, maybe I don't need to be too stressed anymore. I'm putting a lot of stress on myself. Yeah. And, and that's that's the thing, isn't it? It is about and look, that's the difference with Wayapa than a lot of other modalities. Is it's not about self. Um, there was an Indian lady that come up to me one day after a Wayapa session, and she goes, "Oh my God, brother, we've just got it wrong, haven't we?" And I said, "Oh, what do you mean, sis?" She goes, "Well, I teach yoga from my village. Mm. It's eight hundred and fifty years old. 
Mm-hmm. And she said, it's not this new yoga, it's not hot yoga, it's not, you know, this is not wine yoga or beer yoga or surfboard yeah. yoga. She said, this is 850-year-old yoga. She said, but we're still not talking about what you're talking about. Mm. You know, we're talking about universal energy. We're talking about self. We're talking about, you know, inner work. What you're talking about is generational work. You're talking about environmental work. You're talking about, you know, that's the most important part of your modality. And then if you're doing that, then self will be taken care of, but you're not focusing on self. Yes. I said, that's exactly right. And she goes, that's where we're getting it all wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and because we've lost that connectivity to the sequence, to the story, to the narrative, to the, you know, to the planet, that, you know, we, it has to be re-embedded back in there. Yeah, agree, mate. Like, it's the birthright of all of us uh, to have that. It, it is, absolutely. But it's also the responsibility of all of us, you know, that, that goes along with that birthright. I take the word birthright out and put in responsibility mm. because, to me, birthright means I'm entitled to it and we're not entitled to it. We actually have to be responsible to it, mm. which is we have to go and do the work. Yeah. And we all do as human beings, no matter what culture, race or creed you come from, we are all responsible to look after the planet. It can't be just left to the Indigenous people. It can't be left to the women. It can't be just, you know, everybody is Indigenous to the planet Mm. and the planet isn't separated. We breathe the same air. We drink the same water. You know, the soil that we grow our foods from, you know, it it blows all around the planet. So Mm. we've got to start to, yes, celebrate our culture, celebrate our connections, but understand that, you know, to go forward as a, as a species, we have to come together as humanity, mm. as humans, and actually tr- and reconnect back to the old ways of making better decisions for the planet. Mm. You know, every culture did it at some stage of evolution. It's just some are more disconnected than others. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if you're from Wales or from, you know, wherever in the world you're from, your ancient people looked after the planet. It's only when we removed ourselves from that relationship and stopped worshipping the earth and started worshipping the stars and the skies and the gods and the heavens mm. that it all went to shit. And that's yeah. where, you know, you talk to anybody about their culture going back, they'll, they'll tell you, yes, we had this earth um, honouring this earth worshipping and because of that we had a relationship and we had a connection so we looked after it mm. and that's what we do. Do you find when you're in the mind too much, you just go out and have a look at other beings in nature, birds, whatever it is, and just watch what they're doing, how they're getting on with their business? And um, Oh, look, brother, yeah. I'm, I'm so blessed to be home. Um, you know, I'm up in, you know, Far East, Gippsland. I've got a 30-acre property right next to the river. We've got, you know, so many birds and trees. And, you know, I, I, you know, I walk off into the forest here and I just I lose all sense of self and I become one with everything that's around me. Mm. And But then, but what I do then is I come back into the house and I start to think about everything that I'm consuming and doing, how that has an impact on all of those things out there. Mm. So, yes, I go out into nature and I get my filled cup, but I come back and go, right, how can I fill their cup? How can I look after them? What am I chipping down my sink? You know, I'm not, I'm not going to use pesticides and chemicals because the bees will die. Mm. So this is the reciprocity in in understanding that relationship. It's not a one-way street. You know, I had a conversation with a guy that does Qigong, and he said, yes, we honour all those things and we move like that. And I said, but what do you give back? And he said, mm. what do you mean? I said, that's exactly right. What are you doing in your everyday practice that gives back to 
being beneficial to other species on the planet. And he goes, mm. I've never been taught that. I said, well, that's what's missing in your teachings is the reciprocity of actually doing something that's in benefit and service of other species, whether it be trees, animals, air animals, land animals, water animals, whatever. That's what's missing in the narrative or it's been lost in the narrative of a lot of modalities. Yeah. It's it dropped off the radar of conversation. It has why. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It comes back to ego and self as opposed to the bigger collective, um, I guess, dimension uh, of the oneness of the, of, the, of the earth, you know, that we're all interdependent, you know. Um, I think COVID really showed, you know, Mother Earth, you got sick of us and, you know, we got sick, got sent to our rooms. Look at all the other species that flourished and bloomed. Mm. Um, you know, it was because we were the petulant children. We were the spoilt ones and we were sent to our rooms, literally locked up in our houses. Look at look at how the, air, the clear the air got, you know, look how clean the water became. You know, other species were being seen where they'd never been seen before mm. because humans were removed from the equation. Mm. Take us away and everything could be happy, you know. Mm. Like, so we've got to understand that we have a place within that you know, that sphere of interconnectivity and it's not to be dominant, it's actually to be, you know, uh, at one with all the other things. Oh, mate, beautifully said. The, when, you, when you were talking about that, I remember the blue, blue tiger butterflies which just came back to life and uh, started to, you know, form down the coast of, uh, uh, of Queensland. And, uh, yeah. you know, the, people were just seeing these things that they'd never actually seen before. Uh, no, and, yeah. and, and that's, yeah, and that's because, you know, we've got to stop spraying our, our food with pesticides. You know, insects are dying at, you know, a far greater rate in the last 30 years than ever before, mm. you know, and they are such a big part of our ecology. But because we're, we want our food fast and bigger and, you know, supposedly tastier as opposed to organic, mm. um, slower growing and seasonal, um, you know, th these things are dying because of our egos. Mm. And, you know, when, when all those operations were shut down, all those things come back again because they weren't being poisoned. Mm. Um, you know, they actually had fresh air and freedom and, you know, so it's about getting people back to the awareness of, you know, every action has a reaction. And if you're going to disrespect something, you're going to be disrespected back and, you know, I, the, the necessity for biodiversity is so important on our planet that we need to understand that. Jamie, you're the same age as I am. When you were a young bloke growing up in Orbos, where was the closest McDonald's? Uh, we never had one close. Um, I think when I, when I turned 18, one popped up about 100 k's away and I, I really didn't, you know, I entered a couple of times and then, you know, moved to Tennant Creek, uh, not Tennant Creek, moved to Alice Springs there wasn't one there, um, and then moved to Waterville, and there was one there. So I was about 22, 23 before it was sort of around me all the time. So look at how life's changed. So I remember uh, growing up, pubs shut at 10 o'clock. Uh, yeah. Then they went to 1 o'clock, and then all of a sudden government sort shit. We're making more money here. We've got more people employed. We're, we're, we're getting more tax in. It's open until three, and all of a sudden it's free for all. Then all of a sudden the McDonald's said, "Well, hang on, we can, we can, uh, we can help uh, the local economy by giving more people jobs. So we're going to put a restaurant in small towns." And all of a sudden, this uh, this flow-on effect uh, um, 
happened where people were eating, you know, once fish and chips uh, once a week, but now they're eating junk food four or five times a week and the consumerism yeah. become the superpower. The, the consumerism is what drives governments and uh, the revenue behind that is what um, keeps our economy going. But I think we've gone about it ass about, mate. And it was only that's, that's only really occurred over the last 30 years, you know. Oh, without a doubt. You know, you think about... Um, look, if you if you go back and look at you know consumerism, you know there was there was some king in England back you know a couple of hundred years. He wanted the you know the spices from this country because he wanted to be opulent. You know he wanted the latest silk from China. He wanted a friggin' a quail stuffed up and stuffed up a duck's ass, stuffed up a pig's ass, stuffed up a cow's ass. Mm. You know, like he wanted all these things that weren't in season or within his reach, and. You know, over time, it's just gotten greater and greater and it's become more accessible. Like back then, it was just the king that could do that. Now you can, everyone's doing it. Everyone wants, you know, a, a quail stuck up a duck's bum, stuck up a cow's bum, you know. Like, mm. <laughs> this, this opulence and, you know, I guess just that, you know, and I was the same, bros, you know. Like I, I come from poverty, right? Mm. And when I got a job... All I wanted to do was buy clothes like Don Johnson out of Miami Vice and have white suits and wear gold chains and go to nightclubs and wear Amoni Possum Piss perfume and, mm. you know, have a nice car. I, I, I was that follower until I realised, you know, the clothes don't make it for man. Mm. It, it's how you look after the earth and treat each other what's make it for man. And that's where, you know, why Apple has really opened my eyes up to you know, making those changes that, mm. you know, it's not about the latest suit. Well, if it is about the latest suit, who's made it? Is it organic? Mm. Um, you know, is it made by organisations that pay their people well? You know, it's not from child slavery, you know. Like, mm. that that's the true essence of, you know, being a good human being It's knowing your supply chain. And, you know, I'm not the greatest at it. I'm talking to you on a mobile phone, which is probably made from child labour. Mm. Their minerals are, are, are mined from an, a mine on someone's country. Mm. You know, there, there's that that dance we have to do of living and walking in those worlds of consumerism and also trying to protect and look after it. So it's that balance that we we have to we have to take into consideration. Just diverting a little bit, mate. I got a letter in the mail today, um, uh, and that's the way we used to do it. But that letter in the mail was from a guy that I helped out um, a while back who's now in prison. And yep. uh, he wrote to me to say what I taught him has helped him uh, go through maximum security, go through uh, his time there without any problems because he had that awareness uh, to be able to, uh, to manage his life in there. Um, uh, and I'm looking at that letter right now. And, um, mate, um, so that king, he, he swapped the lowest level of consciousness or the highest level of consciousness for the lowest level of consciousness being greed. So, you know, the greed has is, is come into everyday humans' lives. And it's, it's uh, you know, dog eat dog, uh, mine over yours, all that type of stuff. But really the antidote to that is, is gratitude and and. The gratitude that uh, that we're all able to access is, is free to us. Oh, without a doubt, and I think that's a really powerful word. Um, you know, is focusing on what you have, not what you haven't had, and you know that gratitude for what you have, and um, and it's about the enoughness as well. Um, you know, what what is enough, and and you know, I always ask myself every day, and I ask myself, well, who actually who makes the rules of what's enough? 
you know, is it, you know, the, the lady on the streets of India that's happy with three bowls of rice a day or is it Jeff Bezos, you know, mm-hmm. or is it someone in between? Who, who actually says what's enough, you know? Yes. Like, yeah. it's uh, for me, it's the balance of the earth and the economy and the environment, you know? Like, I watched Sea Spiracy the other day and I, I love eating fish, but, you know, what it really made me think about those super trawlers, uh, the bycatch, the waste, um, so, you know, I went in a path of making sure that I spoke to my local fish and chip guy and said, well, who caught the fish? Where's it come from? A local guy goes out here. He's been going out for 30 years. You know, he's, he's target species. He's got very, very minimal bycatch. And I'm like, cool, I'll buy my fish and chips here or I'll go and catch it myself. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's about being aware of it's not for me, it's not all or nothing, it's actually about being aware of, you know, your your supply chain of what you're watching and where it's coming from as opposed to, you know, just not even being mindful of that. You know, having a conversation, you know, that's why I love that series, War on Waste. You know, go and have a conversation with a local cafe and say, do you need plastic straws on the, you know, like do you need to put a plastic straw in everyone's drink? Mm. Can you just leave them on the counter? Or can you leave them behind the counter? If someone wants one, they can ask for it. It's the very worst the cafe could say, mind your own business, I'll do whatever I want. Mm. But, you know, and that's why in my app we always encourage and influence. We don't judge because judgment is a slippery slope. Well, it's one of the lowest levels of consciousness, like greed, um, you know, uh, shame, fear and guilt. <laughs> You know, so yeah. uh, so they're 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 the they're the they're the modalities that a lot of us sort of are swimming in most of the time, mate. And um, uh, yeah, judgment was was born into our into our upbringing through through you know what went on with school too. So we've got to be actually mindful of that when we're judgment or judgmental of others, but also judgmental of ourselves. Oh, without a doubt, I think that that's you know again you know I think those those words that you're talking about from the very start of the conversation of you know heart space you know self love um, of service to the planet to other people um, you know right down to gratitude and then you know obviously with um, you know being mindful of judgment as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, agree. Yeah, that that that's right. And guys, we are our own worst critics. Like I'm finding I beat, I beat myself up still consistently, you know, it's, it's, and that, that is there for a purpose. Our protective line is there to, to try and keep us safe, but we, we overuse it. We, uh, we, we're, we're sort of in that sort of modality too, too often, but once we actually let go of that and get to a state of surrendering, uh, that's when some healing can start to happen. But by accessing the higher levels of consciousness like gratitude, kindness, compassion, um, you know, all those sorts of things actually gets us back to a, a higher state of being where we're more con- connected with ourselves and others. Would you agree? Oh, without a doubt. Um, you know, without a doubt that, you know, those those concepts and, look, I've got mates here I went to school with and, um, you know, we, I've come home after 29 years and, you know, they're still the same, loving, funny, caring, the same, the same small country town mentality of, Whatever you need, you you got it. If I've got it, it's yours. You know, like, yeah. you know, my house is, you know, if you need a bed, you need a bed, you need some cabbages from the garden, you need some deer from the fridge, you know, you need some fish that are caught from the ocean. Like, it's just it's just that, that love, that compassion. Um, and they, they, you know, they live very simple, when I say simple lives, I, they, you know, but they've got what they need to exist um, to live a really happy, fulfilled life, you've got a fishing rod, you know, they've got a rifle, they've got a four-wheel drive, they've got a veggie garden, 
And that's it. That's all I need. They don't need Ferraris and Lamborghinis and trips to Ibiza. You know, some, some of my mates haven't gone, gone across the Stone River Bridge. They've lived in almost their whole life, and that's awesome, you know. They're happy with they, that. They're, yeah. they're happy, and they've got that gratitude. They don't need to go and see the world and eat, you know, the, the rarest quail egg out of the Himalayas or, you know. they, they And, and that, I, 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 I take a lot from that. Mm. And that's... Um, Coming home has given me that gratitude. Yeah, you, you're so lucky to be able to get around and see what you've seen and then be able to appreciate where you come from as um, has been your, your, your real real calling to go back to your roots again, mate. And, um, yeah, I, I think uh, very. Lots of, gonna, lots of good things are going to come from that because I think you've started up, um, obviously, this organisation and you've got some land you're going to do something with. Is that right? So, yeah, yeah. So we've got... We've got uh, 35 acres here on the snow and we're not far from the beach where we're setting up some glamping and having some um, healing and mindful experiences. Um, you know, we're really going to uh, connect people back to the environment through conversation, narrative stories, mm. have movie nights, have working bees, you know, like it's really about that reciprocity. People come and do a bit of work and they get a, you know, a, a vibrational healing or they get a breath work or they get a, you know, they they they, they learn some new techniques of um, you know combating combating stress and anxiety. Yeah, beautiful, mate. That that's that's it. And, and more of these uh, more of these places are popping up all around the country. Um, we've got the ability to be able to give people their power back by teaching them how to self heal. And um, it sounds exactly uh, what you're doing is what I want to be doing at some point in time as well. So it's certainly. Um, a great thing that you're uh, able to embark on, mate, and it's actually going to give you a lot of peace moving forward. So how can people get hold of you, Jamie? Yeah, um, W-A-Y-A-P-A.com is our website. All our, all our socials and, you know, phone numbers and emails and um, the like are, are on that website, the different offerings that we have, um, you know, the different, uh, you know, the different spaces, you know, like we're running Wyapa in the jails, you know, we're running Wyapa in kindergartens, we're running Wyapa, you know, wherever you think of it imaginable, imaginable, uh, we're running it. And, mm. um, you know, our practitioners uh, from Muslim to Hindi to Christian um, to witches uh, to school teachers, you know, like you name it, people are doing it. And what they're loving about it is, again, I keep coming back to that, they love it because they're not learning someone, they're not teaching another culture, mm. they're teaching their, their own self. And, you know, they're honouring ancient cultures, they honour First Nations culture because it is one of the oldest continuing cultures mm. on the planet. Mm. And was that because they were, we lived in tune with the environment, not above it or below it, but within it. Mm. And we didn't survive here, but we thrived here. Yeah. So, you know, that's the one thing that they do do when they do their workshops is that they honour and pay respect to First Nations people. And then they go and run the workshop um, from their own identity, from their own personal connection. Mm. And that's why it's resonating so well because they're not having to learn, you know, another language that's not theirs, whether it be, you know, Indian or Chinese or Japanese. It's, it's who they are as a person, and that's why people are loving it. Yeah, mate, that, that's, that's amazing. I really, I really encourage people to check this out because, geez, imagine if you could learn these skills and go and teach them in your own communities. I think that's, um, that's a real gift you're doing there, Jamie. And um, yeah, look, uh, I'm, I'm really grateful to see that you actually opened it up to 
people that aren't Indigenous Australians, uh, others that they can actually come in and learn this and be able to go out and utilise it uh, to help others as well. And, and that's the thing, you know, like I was so blessed to teach it with 15 people in a room and they were all from different parts of the world. And what we did was write each element in English and then I got them to come up and write down their own traditional word for that element and then I got them to go around and tell a story for how they connected to that element culturally. And it was all different, but we all started laughing because you know why? We were all talking about the same thing. Mm. Everything that we talk about was here so much longer than we were as humans. So many of these things went unnamed for millions and millions of years before humans came along and put a word to it and put a story to it. And at the end of the day, yes, that's important, but it's not important. The importance is that we honour, reverence and look after each element and, and honour each element. And that's what people are loving about it because there is that collective oneness in the teaching and how it can be explained from all cultures on the planet. Mm, incredible. Mate, that's, you, you are so, uh, I'll use the word mature, uh, but so, so wise and aware. You know, you're not, you're not coming at this from, I'm, a, I'm an Indigenous man, I'm, I'm this, or putting a label on yourself. You're actually like being a, a human here that's actually open to helping other humans uh, transform yeah, I- to, to get the best out of themselves. And I've had some amazing teachers and that's where, you know, I want to step into this space and honour all the elders, both Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal, from other cultures who have shared their journeys and stories and roles and responsibilities to me because I didn't magically become who I am. I'm the result of of thousands of years of generational passing on of knowledge. Mm. And, you know, my elders like Uncle Rob, Uncle Moogie, Uncle Banjo, Uncle Henry, Uncle Bill, you know, Uncle Albert, all these amazing elders, Annie Adeline, Annie Daff, you know, Mum Betty Pierce, my mother, you know, they've all taught me everything that I have in the vessel of self comes mm. from somewhere else. Mm. They've emptied their cup to give to my cup, and I honour that, and I'm grateful for that. Yeah, just mate, and you're going to help so many other people do the same. So I'm really grateful for our conversation, Jamie. I think we're going to have another one as the year progresses to learn a bit more about what you're doing on your side and, and your journey and what else you can do to teach uh, myself and, and other people throughout regional Australia about you know the wonderful gift of your culture but also the wonderful gift that we can all uh, experience as humans. Beautiful, brother. And I just want to finally say, be kind to yourself, others, and, of course, be kind to Mother Earth because she provides uh, all that we need. And thanks for the opportunity for the conversation today. And big love to everybody out there listening. Guys, I really uh, hope you're still listening in and you enjoyed um, our conversation. Jamie, she's uh, what an incredible human being, uh, what he's doing to raise awareness uh, about connection and, and all the great things that we have in our own backyard here. Um, geez, if you're in Victoria or you, you want to go um, to a special place, I really encourage you to to look Jamie up and, and go and look at his property and, and what he's actually doing through WIAPA work. Um, so, yeah, I think it was just WIAPA, W-A-Y-A-P-A.com, if you want to check out their, their organisation and what he's actually uh but he's actually doing that uh, with that uh, at the moment with his partner. So tremendous uh, thing for uh, himself to be able to move through the things that he actually did, to 
be able to come out the other side to become a magnificent human being at 49, uh, make the, the changes which make him feel fulfilled within himself, but he's going to help a lot of others uh, do the same, feel, filled, uh, feel fulfilled within them own, by their own selves to be able to get uh, back to some happiness and joy again. That's what life's all about. So if you want to connect with me, let me know what you thought of the podcast. Support it at outbackmind.com.au. Check out the website, outbackmind.com.au, which is going through a bit of a revamp at the moment. So looking forward to getting that uh, uh, up and running in the next few weeks. So thank you very much for listening in, guys. Really appreciate it. And uh, episode 41 is coming in the next couple of days. So I hope you can tune in. And please share the podcast with uh, family and friends if you can. That would be really awesome. Thank you. See ya.